So we are in a series titled The Beatitudes, where over the past few weeks we've been talking about these attitudes that Jesus said that everybody should try to have, and that are actually, we would hear them and we wouldn't necessarily call them blessed, but Jesus looks and says, no, those are actually people that behave that way, people that have those attitudes, they are actually blessed. In fact, that is what we're trying to go for in this whole entire series. And as we've learned the past few weeks that this was a, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, so if you want to hear the, the see the longest and the best sermon given, it's done by Jesus, big surprise. And it's found in Matthew 5 and continues on till about Matthew 8. And you can read through that section and you can see all the different things Jesus talked about. Now, we, we learned that Jesus probably did this a few times, that he probably covered this, these topics with a, in a couple different areas in his ministry. Matthew was lucky enough and smart enough to sit down and write it all down at one simple spot. In fact, we believe that the Sermon on the Mount was given near the horns of Hattin, which is a location near the Sea of Galilee, where it would have created a natural amphitheater for Jesus and a good spot to gather everybody from around the area. So this was probably Jesus speaking to a lot of people. And in fact, when he starts these Beatitudes, he begins to talk, all of them begin with blessed, and then all of them end with a reward. And as we've learned, most of us, in fact, many of us would like to be blessed, and then many of us would like some sort of reward. In order to do that, we have to have some of these attitudes that Jesus talks about. And these attitudes are countercultural. Sometimes they're going to press on you and you might get a little offended by them. Other times you're going to feel uncomfortable and you're going to look and say, Jesus, that's not fair. You're going to look and you're going to say, Jesus, that's perfect world scenario. That's not going to play out in the real world. And I hear all those and all those are really valid arguments and, and points. However, the truth is, is that Jesus says these are the attitudes that we should have. And if you've paid attention this last few weeks, you know that these attitudes are just better than what the culture gives you, right? These are just better than the default stance that the culture has. In fact, let's recap and see where we've been so we can kind of figure out where we are going. So we're starting Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we learn in week one, that's being humble. That blessed are those who are humble enough to recognize that they're where they are, not because of their skill or their stuff, but they're actually where they are in combination with God and his spirit, that they can't get there alone. And then from a spiritual perspective, blessed are those who are poor in spirit and recognize that their salvation cannot come by their means alone. And then Jesus continues, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we learn the word comforted there really means to draw near. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We talked about meekness is not weakness, and it's actually more just being a gentle leader. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And Pastor Megan did a great job talking about the importance of, of righteousness and, and being a righteous individuals in our life. Seven says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And uh, non-paid staff member John did a great job bringing to us the importance of forgiveness and how there's times when we simply, we, we can't expect God to forgive us if we're not willing to forgive other people. And then the last one is, that we covered last week is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Now today, I want to speak about something that we all experience. This is something that we all experience, and there's no way around it in your life. This is just something you are truly going to experience, something that you've probably experienced, in fact, maybe a few times on the way to church today, and that is conflict. Conflict. In fact, some of you that are parents may have experienced conflict on the way to church today. Not with, maybe, maybe you and your husband, maybe you and your wife, but maybe your kids trying to get them up and get them ready and get them to school, right? So we've all, or get them to church. We've all experienced conflict. And we all deal with conflict in different ways. But not always, how many of you know this? Not all the ways we deal with conflict are healthy ways to deal with conflict. In fact, many of us do uh, very unhealthy things. In fact, so case in point, I don't, I don't hate conflict. I know that comes as a shock. I don't hate conflict, but if I had my way, I would just like things to go smoothly. You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of want things to go smoothly. I don't really want a whole bunch of conflict, right? And then I realized that um, if, if I do need to see, like, I can see it down the road, and I see, like, ooh, this is going to cause a problem, I'm the guy, and maybe you can relate, where I'm just going to go after it right now. And it may not need to be a conflict, but my attitude and the way I step into it may kind of make it a bigger issue than what it needs to be because it makes me uncomfortable because I can see it far away and I just want to get to it right now. And I'm just going to handle it right now. And although it may just be something as simple as a conversation, I'm going to run head first into it. And then before you know it, what shouldn't have been a conflict is a full-blown conflict. Now, like I said, I lean into it a little bit too much sometimes. Because it it makes me uncomfortable. Because conflict makes all of us uncomfortable, right? I mean, it makes all of us uncomfortable. And depending on how you deal with it depends on how well you kind of handle it, you know, the the way that you handle it. The truth is, is you can't get away from the conflict in your life. You're going to deal with it at your workplace. You're going to deal with it in your home. You're going to deal with it at school. You're going to deal with it in your marriage with your kids, with your adult kids, with your teenage kids. You're going to deal with it with your parents. You're going to deal with conflict in your life. And in fact, it's going to happen so often that we as Christians, it's one of the first places where we begin to act unchristlike. It's because it happens and it's uncomfortable and it kind of shakes us up and throws us off our, our, our solid footing. And we don't like it. And maybe you respond like I do, where you, you run into it head first, and, and then you get to the back end, and you're like, man, that was kind of a mess. I probably should have slowed down. Or maybe you're the individual who just doesn't connect with it at all. You just don't even connect with it at all. You're just not interested in conflict. I mean, in fact, that's most of us. Most of us don't want to deal with conflict. We'll let it go and go and go and go until it's just completely unhealthy. And again, the tension is how we handle the conflict. Because what culture tells us right now is to just cancel it, right? Just cancel one another. Just, just hey, if you don't feel the way I feel or if we come to, uh, you know, an odds, we're not going to work it out. We're just going to ignore each other, pretend we don't exist, and then just go away, right? I mean, that's kind of what culture teaches us. That when somebody doesn't think the way you do, when somebody doesn't behave the way you want them to, when somebody, you know, doesn't do the thing you want them to do, and it causes a tension and a conflict in the relationship, culture most often just says, well, maybe that's not a good relationship for you. And it's like, hold on, we just can't decide on where we're going to eat. 
I don't feel like that's one of those situations where I need to break up over. I feel like we just need to communicate a little bit better, right? I mean, but that's what culture tells us. They either agree with you or they're off the map. We're not interested in them. We don't care about them. And this has never been more exacerbated than when we started dealing with the political world in the last three or four years, right? I mean, when Donald Trump came onto the scenes, we, we saw how, how polarizing personalities can become. And in that election, because of social media and because of everything else, drew to the forefront that we don't actually handle conflict well at all. That we'll just argue a point and then we won't really care about the individual. We'll just fight and scratch and claw. And then you've probably had relationships that are broken because of that. Maybe not politically, but you've had relationships that are broken because of conflict. Conflict that wasn't handled correctly. Conflict that should have been resolved that was never resolved. Or conflict that was resolved too aggressively and didn't really make an impact in that relationship in a positive manner. And if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Jesus follower, we can't afford to handle it that way. We just simply can't. And the reason is, is because you will lose your influence for people. You'll lose your caring for people. Because if you remember, Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple the way you love one another. So immediately the question becomes, how do we handle conflict? How do we handle conflict, and particularly with people that we may not get along with very easily. People we don't get along with, maybe people that don't see things the way we see things, view the world the way we view the world, or how do we even handle conflict in our, in our church members? How do we handle conflict when it comes to our friends, right? Because we're going to hit it. It's going to happen at some point in our life. Well, Jesus actually speaks a little bit about this in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, he spoke, in, he spoke more often about it in two different places in the Sermon on the Mount. First is our attitude we're going to look at today. So verse 9 tells us, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, I want to draw attention to the fact that he didn't say peacekeepers. He said peacemakers. There's a difference. There's a difference. In fact, a peacekeeper, just so we're all on the same page, a peacekeeper is someone who avoids conflict for the sake of themselves. A peacekeeper is somebody who just, you're not comfortable with conflict. So you just kind of want to keep the peace, right? You don't want to make peace. You just kind of want to keep status quo. I'm comfortable here. Let's not press on this too much. Yeah, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but I don't care. We're just going to keep it keep it the way it is. And you're doing that, and most of the time it happens because we just are uncomfortable with conflict. And it comes down to a position of us, and you go, well, what's the problem with that, Brandon? Well, what's going to happen, and you know this as well as I do, that if it's not handled, the conflict becomes larger. The issues become larger. They don't just go away, okay? You don't just have a problem, and then you ignore it. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. A peacemaker is someone who resolves conflict for the sake of others, for the sake of others. Meaning a peacemaker, somebody who recognizes their behavior, their attitudes, the struggle and tension that is happening inside of their family or in their workplace or amongst people they know. That's a person, a peacemaker, somebody who understands that that conflict is not happening in a vacuum. 
That conflict's going to affect people in my family. That conflict's going to affect people in my workplace, people in my school system. So I know that that conflict that I have, that unresolved conflict, is not going to just stay inside this nice little bubble like so many of us wish it would, right? We just want it to stay there, just stay there. Don't go anywhere else. Don't affect my marriage. Don't affect my relationship with my kids. Just stay in this nice little bubble where I can control you and you don't go anywhere. But we all know that when tension and conflict happens, that's not true. Peacemakers are carriers of peace. They're carriers of peace. Peacemakers are the ones that go forward into, move first to restore the relationship. That's the first part Jesus said. Second part of the verse, Jesus said, for they will be called children of God. For they will be called children of God. Now, do you know why they're called children of God? Because peacemakers look like God. They look like him. Case in point, years ago, uh, when we first, the only kid we had was Grayson, so we had a lot of free time on our hands. Um, and we were going to the child care development center on the base there in Lejeune. And as we were hanging out there, Leah would drop Grayson off in the morning, and I would come and get him in the afternoon. Now, one of these mornings, Leah dropped Grayson off, and they had the babysitter, the nurse, nursery changeover in the midday, and I got there around 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And as soon as I walk in the door, I've never seen this lady before. Never seen this lady who's, who's handling this because I would always, sometimes I'd get off later than her. And I was going to go pick up. And as soon as I walked in the door, I mean, Grayson is like two months old. Okay? In my opinion, all babies look the same for like the first month. Right? It's just, they just, they're little babies and they're all wrapped up and nobody gets to see them. And I walk in the door and this woman goes, oh, you're Grayson's daddy. He's a month old. Okay, I don't know how you know. He's like two months old. I don't know how you know that. But the truth is, it's because he's displayed my physical characteristics. He was a very handsome little baby. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what she knew. She knew, man, that is a good-looking baby. But the truth is, is that that should happen in our life, too. We should reflect our Heavenly Father's characteristics. If you, that's why Jesus says they'll be called children of God because they're displaying God's characteristics. And you go, Brandon, what do you mean? Jesus, God was the peacemaker first. And if you look through the entirety of Scripture, he's the peacemaker. He goes to Abraham and sets up the covenant. He goes to Moses, remember, calling him for, to the burning bush. He's the one that constantly is going to Israel saying, hey, you're messing up. You're doing this. Stop doing this. God is the peacemaker time and time and time again in the Old Testament. And then when we get to the New Testament, he sends Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, because every one of us at this time were in conflict with God. Humanity as a whole was in conflict with God because of sin. And instead of God looking at us and blaming us, which is sometimes what we do when we have conflict with other people, right? We sit and we go, it's their fault. They shouldn't have said that. She shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have said that. And God should, could have done that. But instead, he said, no, 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 I love them, so I'm going to go make peace with them. And I'm going to do something for them that they could never do for themselves. I'm going to make sure that my son dies for them. 
And now we sit back as Jesus followers, as benefactors of that sacrifice. And Jesus says, you should display the same characteristics as your heavenly father. And you should be peacemakers instead of the other option, either peacekeeping or leaning into unhealthy conflict and handling it in unhealthy ways. He says that you should reflect our Heavenly Father's characteristics. That's what it means to be a peacemaker, and that's why the reward is they will be children of God. Now, there's another time Jesus actually spoke about being a peacemaker in the Sermon on the Mount. And let me warn you up front, what we're about to talk about today is going to be uncomfortable. In fact, what we're going to talk about today is probably going to make you squirm a little bit. It made me squirm all week, writing it again and reworking it again and saying, God, can you kind of change the way this worked? And he kept saying, no, I had Matthew write it right away for a reason. So it's going to make you a little uncomfortable. And your initial position, again, with all of these attitudes, our initial position is always to push away from. I don't want it. Keep it away from me. If I could just get the, the blessing, that would be great, God. Like, if I could just get that. That's our initial perspective for many of us. But the truth is, if you lean into this one, it'll make your life better. Even if you're not a Jesus follower. Even if you're like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I believe in all this, but I'm here for the coffee and the donuts, and I'm hanging out because I have friends here, and they invited me, and now they're taking me out to lunch afterwards, right? Even if you're just that person, hey, the, what we're going to talk about today is going to make your life better if you can manage to do it. But simple, so simple, it's not easy. And if you're a Jesus follower, it's going to offend you even more going to offend you even more. So Matthew chapter 5. So we started in chapter 5. We're still in chapter 5. So this is right after the Beatitudes, right? Right after, not very far after that in verse 21. He says, Jesus says, you've heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. To which Everybody who's listening to the Sermon on the Mount, this is still in the Sermon on the Mount, everybody who's listening to it goes, of course, Jesus, that's in the top ten, right? That's in the Ten Commandments. We know that. We know if you kill an innocent person, that's bad, that's murder, and we shouldn't do that. We're aware of that, Jesus. And Jesus goes, okay, 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 yeah, 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 good, good, good. Um, But I tell you, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is answerable to the court. Now, this would be the religious leaders, and they would pass judgment on people depending on how they handled certain situations and if they handled it according to the law. That's what he means when he says the court. He says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is answerable to the court, to which everybody would have been like, hold on a second. I thought you're only answerable to the court if you killed somebody. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. It's worse than that. And anyone who says, you fool, or the way that some of your translations read it, it'll say raka, which is Arminian, which is the language Jesus spoke for you fool. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in dangers of the fires of hell. And now all of us are like, hold on, man. You mean I can't be a little bit frustrated? I'm going to hell? Right? I mean, that's what the first time I read that, I was like, Jesus, that's a little rough. I think you need to walk that back. And I think, I think his disciples heard it too, and they were like, he's messing it up again. There he goes. He's talking about stuff he shouldn't be talking about, right? Like, Jesus, stop it. You're going, to ch- you're going to chase off the crowds. How are we going to do this, right? And then Jesus says, therefore, so there's an implication. So here's the truth. Let's talk about it in real life. Here's the truth. He says, if you're offering your gift to the altar 
And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. That's not on anybody's t-shirt anywhere. It's not a cool verse. It's if you got problems with people, you need to handle your problems before you go to God. And every one of us is uncomfortable. And every one of us hates that. Every one of us doesn't like it. And every one of us goes, well, hold on. And yeah, 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 I'm there. I've been through it all week. Been through it the last couple weeks when I wrote this months ago. And I've done the same thing you have. And the same thing you're going through right now. You want to press against it and you want to go, but here, hold on. And I, listen, listen. If I was to give you a microphone and you were to come up here and tell us why you don't have to reconcile with this person, we would all agree. But we're not Jesus. And we're not God. The easiest way I can explain this, the easiest way I can explain this is if you have multiple kids. If you have multiple kids. Case in point, God gave me an excellent illustration last night. We were sitting, is because he's a good, good, good father. Um, we were sitting at home last night. Le- Leah was, you know, she was gone. She was gra- grabbing some groceries and some stuff, prepping for church today. And so I had the boys, and we were sitting. It was great. We were sitting down. Guys, we watched Batman. Not the new one. Don't watch that with your kids that age. Um, we, were, we were watching the animated series Batman, which was great because that's the one I grew up on. And we're sitting there watching it, telling them, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's I'm really awesome. I can't do that for you. Well, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Stupid thing. They're listening. Maybe they'll get the gospel. Somebody say amen. Anyway, um, but we're watching Batman. And so we're, you know, they're asking me all the questions because we've done Marvel, but now we're doing Batman and Batman's cooler. So we're talking about all this stuff and it's great. It's great. After that, I say, okay, here we go. Uh, Time to go to bed. You guys need to go to bed. Go brush your teeth. And one of them goes to brush his teeth. The other one says, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go pee. And I said, okay, well, you guys are boys. Like, we only got one bathroom. Figure it out, you know? So that immediately started this intense conflict between my seven and my five-year-old. Or my seven and my six-year-old. And I'm not sure what the reason was, but they were ready to kill each other. It was insane. And me as their father, I sit back and I'm like, just stop fighting. It's not that big of a deal. And look, guys separate, get away. Have you ever done this? Your parents said, just get away from each other. That's what happened last night. I was like, just get away from each other. Stop talking to one another. You just get away from each other right now. And then I had to go talk to each one of them independently. And I told them as they were laying in bed, we were getting ready to go to bed. I explained to them, you know, I said, Hey, I love your brother. I love your brother so much. And when you treat him like that, it hurts me. And I love you just the same as I love him, but I'm not going to let you treat him that way. And then I go to Elijah and I say, Elijah, I'm not going to let you treat him that way. I love him just as much as I love you. I'm not going to let you treat him that way. And our Heavenly Father says the same thing to us. He says, I love you, but I love them too. And I'm not happy when you treat them that way. I'm not happy when you handle conflict that way. I'm not happy when you do it that way. And that's the easiest example that I can give for us to understand. I mean, God expects us to make right with people we have problems with. Another point, another example. Um, 
Isn't it true that you can't stand, you have the biggest problems with people who have problems with your children? Right? That's our biggest, that is always everybody. I mean, if I talk to a parent, and I'm there too, I've, I've been there, right? Like, I mean, if you, isn't it true that those are the people that you have the biggest problems with? It's not the person at work, it's the person who treats your kid like garbage, right? I mean, how many of you guys have been ready to go fight a bully at school? I've already been there and I've only got a couple, okay? All y'all ain't being honest up in this building today. That's okay. Blessed are the peacemakers. I'll be a peacemaker, by golly. Anyway, that's just what happens, right? I mean, that's how we feel. We feel that way. When, when somebody's offending or hurting or dealing with our kids, in fact, you've probably cussed out teachers. You've probably gone and fight with people before. You've probably cussed out football coaches or baseball coaches. Not cussed out because you're a Christian and you go to this church. I know you don't use those type of words. But you've come in and respectfully disagreed, right? And most of the time, you're so frustrated with those people because of the way they're treating your, your kid. And you get frustrated with bullies, you get frustrated with friends, and you know this too, you sit and they have friends that are mistreating them, but they're still hanging around them, and you're like, why are you with them? Stop it. And you get frustrated with that person because of the way they're treating your kid. Why would we expect our Heavenly Father to behave any differently? Why would we expect that we can go to Him and worship Oh God, I love you so much. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? But then turn around and fight all week with one of his children and not try to resolve it and not try to make it better and not try to come to a position of like, hey, we're, we're happy and we can coexist in this scenario. I imagine God in heaven behaves somewhat like me, maybe a little bit more holy than I did last night, but I imagine he goes, come on. After everything I've done for you, after everything I've done so that you guys can be reconciled to one another, you're just fighting? You're spending all your time and energy on this? And it makes us so uncomfortable. It makes us so uncomfortable. Because to reconcile means to restore a friendly relationship. To restore a friendly relationship. That's what we're expected to do. When something happens or a tension or a conflict happens and the relationship's broken and torn apart and you're in conflict and tension with somebody, God expects us to go and to be the peacemaker. To try to restore and reconcile the relationship. Now, this is not, this doesn't mean that you have to go and, and open yourself to abuse by somebody. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying either. It's not that you need to expose yourself to a dangerous situation or to a dangerous person again. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. He means that you just need to reconcile those relationships that can be. And that means honestly. That doesn't mean you sit here and you go, that one's not worth it. And you're like, you didn't even think about that for like five minutes, dude. Like, come on. We all know that it would work if you put a little effort into it. And you worked on it a little bit. And the truth is, that's what Jesus expects us to do. That's what he commands us to do. And there's a sense in which he says, hey, hey, don't go vertical to your heavenly father until you've gone horizontal to those around you. Don't start looking up until you started looking around. That you don't, you can do it, but it's almost like in the way the words Jesus used are so offensive in that time because the temple was the way you worshiped. <clears throat> temple was where you worshiped. And Jesus says, don't go to the temple and offer a sacrifice. 
until you've reconciled with somebody near you. It's like, it's like me standing up here saying, don't come to church till you handle the problem with Betty. I ain't dealing with you till you come handle, till you handle the problem with Betty. And, and for every one of us, and the reason he says that is because he wants us to understand the gravity of it, the weight of these unresolved conflict. He continues, he's not done. He says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way so that your adversary may, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. One thing leads to another. That's what Jesus just said. One thing leads to another. You should handle it when you two can really handle it because you know what happens when you don't handle it in time, it gets blown out of proportion. What should have been handled six months ago is not handled six months ago. He says, truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny, meaning there is going to be lasting consequences for conflict that is not handled up front and handled in the appropriate amount of time. And his point wasn't just theological, but it was practical, too. And you know it. When you don't handle a conflict that should have been handled, it turns into a mess. And you know it. You've probably seen marriages torn apart by it. You've probably seen friendships torn apart by a simple conflict that happened years ago that if they would have just talked about it and worked it out and communicated, the problem would have gotten better. You've probably seen it. I have churches torn apart by it, businesses torn apart by it, groups of people that won't even be around each other anymore because they didn't handle the conflict that was at the forefront of everybody's mind. They pressed it away. They tried to be peacekeepers. They were uncomfortable with it. They kept going to the altar with no resolution with people around them. And God's like, I need you to fix this. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Right? It's like, no, no, no. You've got to fix this issue. And again, I'm with you. This is horrible. I don't want to do it either. I don't like it. I don't like it. If I had my way, I would just say, Jesus, I we want to pray for them, right? Those are the people. That's what we want to do. We want to be like, I'll pray for Betty. I'm not talking to Betty. I'll pray for Betty, though. And then I'll talk about, you know, how much I really wish she would change. But I'm not going to go handle my problem with Betty. I'm not going to go handle my problem with, you know, this guy over here, that girl over there. And we do it in the church, and we do it in our businesses, and we do it at home, and we do it in school. And then before you know it, those relationships that were tight at one point, or those relationships that were so valuable at one point get torn apart. Sometimes the most valuable relationships in our life get torn apart because we won't handle conflict and tension when it comes up. It's one of the first things I teach when I do uh, premarital counseling. Handle the problems as they arise. Don't put it in a box and deal with it later because you're never going to deal with it later. It's going to get worse and it's going to tear you apart. <clears throat> so the question is, what do we do about it? Okay, Brandon, I've heard everything you said. Jesus made me uncomfortable. Now you made me uncomfortable. Now I'm just so uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. What happens next? Three things, three quick things, three points you can go back to often. It's very simple. The first thing to be a peacemaker, go quickly. Go quickly. 
When you have a problem and you have an issue, don't let it sit for a long period of time. Maybe you need to let it sit because you need to pray through it. That's a real thing. Maybe you need to let it sit because you want to talk through it with your husband or your wife or with your coworker or with your boss. That's true. Maybe you need to do that. That doesn't mean you have to go like, I got a problem with you. I'm going to handle it right now. Like you can think about it. You can rest on it a second, but go. Don't put it off. Don't ignore it. Don't make the excuse, I'll get to it one day. Don't make the excuse of he's not going to listen. Don't make the excuse of she's not going to listen. That's not what a peacemaker does. In fact, Jesus says, go quickly. Go quickly to resolve the conflict and be reconciled. Don't let it sit too long. Connect with them and resolve the issue as soon as you're capable. Second thing, when it comes to resolving the issue, so the first thing is just go, just do it. The second thing is when you're in the conflict, listen carefully. Do not listen to respond. Listen to understand. If you want to be a peacemaker and you truly want relationships better in your life and you want to be that individual that walks in and everybody knows these people, you know these people, where the temperature just drops in the room, everything's okay. Like maybe everybody's really frustrated and this person comes in and they just manage to smooth things out. They always manage to do that. If you want to be one of those people and you want to have those types of relationships, then you've got to listen carefully. Listen to understand, not to respond. Because what you think the problem is probably isn't the problem. Whatever you think the issue is is probably not the issue. Listen to what the other individual is saying before you respond. And the last thing is speak gracefully. Speak gracefully. When you speak and it is your turn to speak, you've heard everything they've said, you've gone quickly, you've opened this uncomfortable can of worms now, you've, you've talked about the issues, okay, you've listened, you've listened, you understand their position, you understand where they're coming from, good. When it's your turn to speak, speak with grace. Don't speak with condemnation, don't speak with a specific tone because your tone determines the direction of a conversation. Some of you guys have gotten into fights before because of your tone. You didn't even say anything that crazy, but your tone says something crazy, and you know what I'm talking about. So when it's your turn to speak, speak gracefully. That means speaking with kindness. You're not avoiding the conflict. You're not avoiding saying what you need to say. You're not avoiding handling this thing. No, you are just going to resolve the conflict, and you're just going to do it in a respectful honorable way, and you're going to speak with grace. Now, my question is, do you think the world would look different if people could communicate this way? If people could handle conflict in this manner, do you think the world would look different? In fact, do you think, let me just put it in in just your, your lap for just a second, do you think your marriage would look different if you could communicate this way? If you could handle conflict in this manner? Do you think your marriage would look better? Probably wouldn't look worse. Like, I mean, do you think your relationship with your adult children would look better if you could handle it this way? Uh, Teenagers, do you think your relationship with your parents? I mean, if you start doing this, their jaw's going to hit the floor and you're going to have to pick them up. I'm telling you, if you don't argue with them and you listen to understand, somebody's going to have to pick them up off the floor. And in fact, in our culture today, 
How different would our culture look if people could do this? If, if, if we could just, as the, to use the words of Jesus, be children of God, be peacemakers, and not use the excuse of hiding behind God or hiding behind certain things, but instead say, no, 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 this is what it means to love God. This is what it means to love people. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ, is to be a peacemaker, because those are the ones that are called children of God. And if you get this right in your parenting, if you get this right in your parenting, you're going to equip your kids to handle conflict in a healthy manner. If you get this right in your marriage, you will have better communication with your spouse and you will stay you will want to be married when you get older. If you can get this right in handling the conflicts when they arise and handling it in a healthy manner, being a peacemaker, a child of God, your marriage will do better, your parenting, your kids will do better, your businesses will do better, all your relationships and friendships will do better. Because Jesus told us, he told us this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, let's pray.